0: Well, today we have a very special guest. Her name is Lizzie Horvitz. And, you know, at the age of 16, she spent three months living off the grid, completely reliant on wind energy and rainwater. That opportunity instilled in her a passion for addressing the climate change with real-world solutions that has turned into nearly two decades of, of a career for her devoted to climate and, and uh, what's going on in the world right now. She was ahead of her time, so to speak. Uh, before launching Finch, Lizzie served as chief operating offer at Muse, uh, fighting to stop single-use waste. Uh, and before that, she worked in a supply chain and with sustainability at Unilever, one of the big uh, companies out there. Where she was responsible for integrating the company's sustainable living plan into North America. So she holds an MBA, an MS in environmental management from Yale University. And welcome, Lizzie. Thanks for being here today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. So
0: this stuff that's going on right now, I mean, there was just a big meeting called COP26 on uh pollution and what we can do to the environment. Are we making headway?
1: I think we are. I think um, we have to be cautiously optimistic because if if we didn't think we were making headway, I would probably try to get out of this field. Um, and I think, you know, it requires all different parties that we need the government to be involved, all governments, particularly the United States and China, the, the largest emitters. Um, but then, like we saw in the past couple of years, we need to have a proper um, business infrastructure in place just in case the government isn 't doing their job so um, and then of course, the nonprofit world is is hugely crucial to this um, to this effort. But I think we 're making progress, and the good news that i 've seen at least in the past probably three or four years is that people are finally coming around to it they 're understanding. They're seeing in real time these weather changes and um, and larger natural disasters, et cetera. And so there's less to convince people of people. It's really right in our backyards. And so we're seeing everyday people get more involved, which is fantastic.
0: Yeah, And I think that's that's what it's we've had to see is that. Uh, people said, "Oh, yes, this is happening, but it's not affecting me so now that we're having forest fires, now that we're having glaciers melting, now that we're having other things drying up, uh strange weather patterns that were predictable otherwise, I think people are starting to wake up to the fact
1: I completely agree
0: so what 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 can governments do right now to help this because I know that, even in the biggest accords, some of the biggest governments have not signed on to the the fact that they're going to decrease emissions and they're going to decrease uh, the amounts uh, of of chemical burning that's going on out there.
1: I think it's a good question, and i I always like to frame what governments can do, not in the form of What do they have to do in order to stop climate change? But what are the opportunities to um, innovate and to become one of the leaders? And so, you know, the first countries that are thinking through how do we get off our dependence on oil and more on wind and solar sounds so simple, but those are the ones that will that will move ahead and and work out in the long run, I think you know no doubt that there's a there's an upfront cost to making these large infrastructure shifts um which which is required but over the long term it will create more jobs it will be better for the economy and we'll really think of ourselves as ahead and so that's when whenever i hear someone say you know if china's not doing anything it doesn't matter what the rest of us do well there's a certain element of truth to that that's not a reason for us not to do anything and it also puts us um ahead as the United States in in a more competitive um, framework moving forward, because this, this is the future. Yeah.
0: So what do you envision the future to look like from your point of view, where everything would be working perfectly?
1: It's a great question. And I think this might be surprising, given that my work is mostly what individuals can do. I actually think the future will look not very different on the consumer level um, i think that we will continue to heat our homes and take hot showers and travel um, but that travel will be powered by renewable energy and um, you know we'll be able to throw things away and have these recycling systems so so advanced that they'll be able to sort at the facility as opposed to trying to teach you where to put your bottles versus where to put your cardboard so i think there's going to be a lot happening both on the government level and on the business level as i mentioned that that make it easier for people to make smaller changes and not inhibit their convenience in any way um i just i just read an article about a road i think it's in sweden but um i might have to i might have to double check that the roads are made out of solar panels and so at all times of the day i mean you know all of us know how much sun these asphalt um, or concrete roads get, if those were filled with solar panels that people could drive on, that's creating an, a massive amount of energy for that entire town um, or city. And so, that's really where I see that innovation going, which is really exciting.
0: What about recycling? I mean, right now we seem to be hampered with that. You know, a lot of recycling is not being done as as we think it should be. You know. Uh, some things are being recycled, but a lot are still ending up in landfills.
1: You're absolutely right. I think a couple of things. The first is I think we're moving into a reuse economy, which is very exciting, meaning um, it's not just take and dispose of after you're finished using it. It's take it and then repurpose it for another um. For another opportunity in the circular economy. So there are a lot of really great companies like TerraCycle Loop that are um, allowing you to, you know, get your ice cream, your shampoo, your orange juice, everything delivered to your door in a more durable container, mostly aluminum. Um, and then when you're finished, you send it back, they wash it and sanitize it and then, um, and then send it to another consumer to use. And so I think that's a really good way to combat our waste issue because the reality is recycling has been tried to has been drilled in our brains since the 1970s. And, you know, New York City is still at a 18% recycling rate, which is pretty dismal. And so I think the more that we can take our reliance off of making sure that everything is sorted and more on how do we not create that waste in the first place is a win. Um, So I, I will say also that even when things are not recycled or we don't think the recycling facility facility is doing their job. That's not a reason to put something in landfill. I, I always tell people to recycle with your best intentions and then, um, and hope that other people will make the right decision, because if you put it in the trash, there's no chance that that will get recycled. Whereas at least there's a small chance if, if you're putting it in the right bin.
0: Yeah, that's right. And and that's, that's a good thing. Uh, you know, I, I think all of us have to take that opportunity and look at how we can do things you know, instead of taking a single-use water bottle, for that matter, uh, take a water bottle and fill it up and, and use it for those when you need rehydration. Uh, little, exactly. small steps, I think, are, are, are important steps.
1: Absolutely. I completely agree. I think the other complication with recycling is that each municipality has a different rule, right? And so where I am is completely different than probably where you are and likely all the other zip codes in the United States, which makes it really tricky because you can't have this wide adoption. There's all different levels of technology in these recycling facilities. And, you know, in some places you can recycle pizza boxes in some places you can't, and that makes it really, really difficult. So another part of your question, um, of, of what I'd like to see in the future is just a uniform recycling rule all across the United States. I'm not sure why that hasn't happened yet.
0: Yeah. I, I find that peculiar as well. Uh, I think it's, it, it, you know, you would think that like thinking municipalities would get together and have some sort of infrastructure for doing that as well. Mm-hmm. May, maybe in the future, that would be something that could be, thought of and 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 brought together even within a state for that matter, even within a jurisdiction like a, a a couple of states working together
1: let's hope so and I think um my other hope for finch um the company that I started is that we are able to provide that type of information in real ways it's Shocking to me that when we first looked into sort of what the different municipalities have to say about recycling, um, the best the best piece of content we could find on the internet was from Martha Stewart Living Magazine. Which, you know, I have nothing against Martha Stewart; I think she's great. But the fact that her article um, was one of the top places to read when when trying to figure out where how to recycle things in your municipality um, is problematic and just. Points toward the fact that we need a more uniform um, messaging around this that people can really understand
0: so what does Finch do?
1: Finch decodes products' environmental impacts to help consumers make better purchasing decisions. so what we started with, and this this came out of um, a number of years ever since that time I was living off the grid with family and friends asking me you know. What's this ingredient doing in my deodorant? Or I just had a baby. What type of diaper should I be buying? And to be quite honest, I didn't have all the answers and I didn't know where to point them towards. I found that the content was either in an academic paper that was not meant for normal people to read who didn't have a PhD in chemistry, or there were a lot of blogs out there that were extremely well intentioned, but saying things like eco friendly, all natural, and that's not really based in any type of data. And so Finch started as a newsletter um, basically aiming to just distill this type of information in a way that normal people could understand we were meeting people where they were on their sustainability journey and that evolved into a platform that's a browser extension Um, we're, we're launching in january actually our main product we're in beta phase right now where you're able to go online and shop and see a particular body wash and we'll show you the score of that and then what three alternatives might be in case you're interested in making a better purchasing decision.
0: Okay. And and that makes a lot of sense to have things that would be uh, more ecological friendly and also possibly have ingredients that were less harmful for the environment. Is that what it's trying to do?
1: It's exactly what it's trying to do. Yes. It's um, there's a lot of misinformation out there. And I think what we're trying to do is sort of um, pull pull that back and explain to people what really matters. And we give varying types of uh, detail, right? So if someone just wants to know, I just want to know that I'm making an okay decision, they can just look at our top rated products and and choose one of those. If someone really wants to dive into what's the water impact versus the energy impact and and how does that fit into this particular category, we can share that information as well.
0: Well, that makes sense. That makes complete sense so that people can then make logical, informed decisions, and uh, that in itself can be beneficial in this uh, pollution stuff that goes on. Exactly. Interesting, interesting. Uh, How how do you see this further shaping some of this global impact through the decisions that you're going to help people make?
1: It's a really good question, and I think that... You know, there's no doubt in my mind, as I as I mentioned in the very beginning, that the largest solutions to climate change will be happening on the governmental level with large, um, really grid shifts of our energy sources. Um, and so there's I, I would never claim to say that, you know, convincing you to, to change your shampoo um is going to going to really solve climate change and reverse it, but I think the lever we're trying to pull is to make this more top of mind for people and to help them better understand it, so that they can make all of these small changes. And once these small changes ladder up to a lot of people making these small changes, it, it turns out to be not not so small. So that's number one. And the number two is just um, once people understand this data and it becomes more top of mind, I believe that then that inspires them to vote differently, to be reading more about climate, education, educating themselves more, um, to basically help um put pressures on these governments to um to make bigger differences that, that consumers alone can't change.
0: Understandable well I I, I live in a province uh, called Alberta where there's large uh, amounts of oil and gas. Mm -hmm. And so they are involved in a large amount of some of the global heating and the carbon, and they have to change to carbon capture. How will carbon capture work in some of this?
1: I think carbon capture is going to be a huge solution and unlock. Um, First of all, I think it's worth noting, and not many environmentalists say this enough, but we are, as a, as a culture, extremely grateful to the oil and gas industries, right? They are keeping me warm through the winter months in Denver, Colorado, and, um, you know, fueling our entire lives. They're letting me get on planes, et cetera. And so I want to be careful that um, that that's – those companies are, are really necessary right now, but I think these other – so they need to be um, – the subsidies need to go away a little bit and give other – opportunities a chance. So as long as those are operating which they will be for the next decade at least, um I think carbon capture is a really good way to um to minimize that impact and allow for um for less carbon to be to be emitted into the atmosphere.
0: Yeah, and I I think another big role uh, another big industry where carbon comes out of is the transportation industry. I think That is a huge producer of of that as well. So we have to come up with more sustainable ways to make that better as well.
1: Absolutely. And I think, you know, I'd love the United States to look more towards Japan and certain countries in Europe that have just figured out the train systems because I think the the United States is still lagging a little bit. And I would love to see um, more bikeable cities. Um, Scooters seem to be, you know, making quite an impact these days. And so I think there's a lot that we can do in the transportation space. And then another um, area is really in buildings. The building materials and and the energy required to maintain buildings is another huge carbon suck um, and so, or carbon emitter rather. And so um, making sure that we are finding sustainable solutions to that is important.
0: Yeah, I think it is. But as I say, we live in climates that unfortunately do not allow us to, uh, that require uh, us to mitigate them. It, it, at parts of the year, it's too hot. At parts of the year, it's far too cold. Exactly. So we need to be able to, to live in that environment. I agree. Yeah. So it's important that we learn to, do it in a way that's that's very important, but unless we get this under control, those extremes are even going to be worse.
1: Exactly, those extremes will be worse, and we're already seeing um, we're seeing climate refugees who can no longer live in in the areas in which they've been for generations, either because of sea level rise or the climate's just gotten um, too uh, inhabitable. And so, I think we'll see a lot of changes uh, in the next couple of decades.
0: Yeah. So we have to be very cognizant of that. I I think that the biggest scary thing is the melting of the glaciers we're seeing across the globe.
1: Mm -hmm. I agree. And I think what, what people don't know um, is this sort of positive feedback loop where basically sun is reflected off of the ice, right? And so the glaciers have really been helping uh, halt climate change for quite some time. And as more glaciers are melting, um, more of the surface area is ocean or land that's darker where the, um, the sunlight gets absorbed. And so it's sort of this positive feedback loop where the more that climate change is happening, the more that glaciers are receding, and, and the more that glaciers recede, the worse climate change gets. Um, so it's this real circle.
0: It is a, a devastating circle in some respects. And I think uh, we might even have to rely on newer technologies as well to help us with that if we don't get this under control. Um, I, I've heard of some talk in scientific circles where um small particles to be emitted into the air that can be used to help act as reflectors from the sunlight so that it wouldn't have a direct impact on some of these areas.
1: I think that's really promising technology. I always say that it's not an either or it's a both. And so I think any technology that's been um, thoroughly studied and that scientists can can back, I think we need to do all of it because if there was one silver bullet, we probably would have found it by now. Um, and I think obviously there are huge things like um, the oil and gas industry um, and our transportation problems that, that are sort of obvious, but there are a lot of other smaller technologies or not as popular technologies that we, we just need to deploy pretty immediately.
0: Yes, I think that that's true. And I think it's very important that we work on all these things. And I, I think it's important that we work on all of these together uh, in such a way that it'll be sustainable and uh, something moving forward. Um, of course, people do not want to sacrifice their lifestyle in getting there either.
1: Exactly. And that is why I'm so excited about um the development of technologies. I mean, I think one thing that's been so exciting is the growth of lab grown meat. Um, I think, you know, greenhouse gases are a, or I'm sorry, the um, meat industry is a huge emitter of greenhouse gas emissions. Um, And so the more we can get people to still feel like they're eating a cheeseburger, but um, having a quarter of the environmental impact is just one example of a lot of things we can do to maintain our convenience, our independence, et cetera, but um, just having a a smaller impact.
0: And I'm not sure if our audience understands there are actually different ways of of, uh, meat being produced. Uh, um, One is, you know, that uh, it can be grown on a Petri dish. So it doesn't have to be, uh, have a live animal to do it. It can actually be grown in such a way that it goes without that intermittent thing. Another way is a fermentation process where uh, meat can be uh, grown through a fermentation process which seems to have uh, very similar characteristic effects. As, as as real meat, as, as the other meats that are out there. So I think those will have some effect as time goes on as well.
1: I agree. And I think the, the marketing of both Impossible and Beyond Meat, who are two of the largest um, meat alternative companies, their messaging has been really great because they're actually not not marketing to vegetarians per se. They're marketing towards meat eaters who are looking for a better replacement. And I think the more we can change the dialogue of this is not a niche, special interest um, situation, and you can watch the Super Bowl and have a cheeseburger or a hot dog like everybody else, um, but feel better about your impact is, I think, a really important part of that.
0: Uh, I think that's important as well. Well, we're getting close to our end here already. Uh, Is there uh, a way that people can get in touch with you and the products that you offer, Lizzie?
1: Absolutely. Um, Our website is www.choosefinch.com. And um, I'm just an email away. You You can sign up on our website to get email updates, newsletter updates, and then also um, you can contact me directly through through the website. Um, and I would love to hear from as many people as possible just about what they're interested in learning more about, and we can, we can do the heavy lifting for them.
0: Fantastic. Thank you, Lizzie. Thanks for being here
1: today. Thank you so much.
0: You've been listening to How to Live a Fantastic Life. Did you know that you can get a free copy of Dr. Leica's book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life? Yep. Just visit 13gpnow.ca and we'll send it right to you. That's the number 13gpnow.ca. And you'll want to subscribe right here on this page so you don't miss a single episode. We'll see you next week. Have a fantastic day.